Deep inside every one of us is a lion waiting to be unleashed. Are you ready to be unleashed into your destiny? As we stand on the edge of time, the web of deception is being unraveled. Carl Joseph offers you the red pill and the keys to unlock the shackles of your mind. Get ready to be transformed by God's supernatural power. Let's join him now. The topic today is curses. When most people think of curses, they think of fantasy, something that isn't real. Perhaps Harry Potter comes to mind. Or maybe it's something that people with pointy hats and black cats only carry out. To our westernized mindset, rooted in Greek culture, curses are merely for superstitious folk, or the ignorant, or uneducated, but not for the sophisticates who order chai lattes and don't spare the double shot. But the truth, friend, is that curses are indeed real, because the Bible says they are. Not only that, we know from the scriptures that invisible forces do exist, blind to the naked eye, working for good or evil behind the scenes. There are several dimensionalities all around us, and angels and demons reside in these dimensions, even if we can't see them. Now, down the years, I've witnessed some families, and I'm sure you have too, that seemingly have one issue or calamity after another, and are unable to shake loose from untimely and unfortunate events working against them. Most would put this under the label of bad luck, but could it be there are forces set in motion working against them that they're ignorant of? Friend, blessings and cursings are spoken of in God's word very clearly. In fact, a curse can extend its influence across several generations, as do blessings also. One of the more prominent curses mentioned in the Bible is as follows, and it concerns idol worship in Exodus chapter 20, verses 3 through 5. You shall have no other gods before me, and that's God speaking. You shall not make unto thee any graven image, or any likeness of anything that is in the heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down yourself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me, and keep my commandments. For those who do not know Christ, curses can be active in their lives without even knowing it, and unless they're broken by the blood of Christ, will continue unabated. According to the scripture, they extend to the third and fourth generation. As I've said, curses can be evident over entire families, and one could argue the best modern-day example of a cursed family would be the Kennedys. I'm sure you're familiar with the Kennedy family, but did you know they've had several tragic and untimely deaths that allude that they could well be under a curse? In fact, their family history includes death by sniper fire, a plane explosion, a premature death, assassination, car accidents, a trailer accident, amputation, a skiing accident, suicide, heart attack, and several plane crashes. These events seem far too common to have occurred by chance to some 19 family members within a 70-year time frame. Now, we certainly wish no ill on the Kennedy family, and what has happened to them is very sad, but we're just using them as an example for our study today. In fact, when I was growing up, I had an acquaintance in high school who broke some bone in his body for almost five years straight. You could sincerely say this guy was accident-prone and a great candidate for being a stuntman based on his record. 
We should remember that a curse must have a cause. And scripture reveals this in Proverbs 26 verse 2. It says, like a flitting sparrow, like a flying swallow, so a curse without cause shall not alight. So we know that a curse cannot be in existence unless there's a cause for it. Deuteronomy 28 is devoted entirely to the theme of blessings and cursings. Within this chapter, Moses lists 12 moral and ethical sins, all of which provoke God's curses. Blessings came to the people of Israel when they obeyed the Lord God, and curses transpired as a result of their disobedience. Under our new covenant, and thank God for it, just as under the old, God offers the same two alternatives, either blessings for obedience or maledictions for disobedience. One great delusion which Christians love, and Satan fosters this to his benefit, is that there's a third alternative that lives within the gray area. This gray area promotes seeing just how close you can get to being disobedient, or how far you can cross the line of obedience without any consequences. Neither the Old Testament nor the New Testament offers any such opinion. We must understand that if we sin and ask for forgiveness from God, God will forgive us certainly. But few understand, even in the New Covenant, that the law of sowing and reaping is still in effect, made clear by Galatians 6-7. So the consequences of our sin can still manifest in our lives. That's why we need to flee fornication, as the Bible says, and any other gross sins that can impact our spiritual condition. Like I said before, we're all in process of sanctification, and God works with us to be conformed to the image of His dear Son in our daily walk with Him. Granted, we're in a different dispensation to those in the Old Testament, certainly, and the Apostle Paul mentioned the word dispensation four times himself in his epistles for those who don't believe in dispensationalism. We are in the dispensation of grace, better known as the church age. But throughout all dispensations, we still remain in covenant with our Heavenly Father. And the general terms and requirements for living in the covenant basically come down to us being obedient to God's word, which brings blessings. And disobedience will result in some form of oppression because we open the door to the enemy in our lives. In Deuteronomy 28 verses 1 through 2, it says, If, that's conditional, you diligently obey the voice of the Lord. Friend, there are still conditional aspects to God's word today. In the New Testament, Jesus reminds us, We hear the voice of the Father in John 10:27. My sheep hear my voice. So we still need to hearken to his still small voice and follow his path. Sometimes it takes effort to take time to listen to God's voice, and often we're too busy to make this effort. Now back to curses. I'd like to mention Derek Prince at this point, a wonderful Bible scholar who hails from the same small island that I do. In his studies down the years, he listed at least seven curses that were prevalent, not only in God's word, but in his experience also, spanning several decades in ministry. I will list them for you right now. Number one, barrenness or a tendency to miscarry or related female problems. Number two, mental and or physical breakdown, which includes repeated or chronic sickness, especially if it's hereditary. Number three, family breakdown, marriage breakdown and family alienation. Number four, poverty, which is clearly defined as a curse in Deuteronomy 28, which Christ has redeemed us from. Number five, a history of suicides and unnatural or untimely deaths. Six, oppression and seven, being accident prone. 
Friend, if any of these curses on the list resonated with you when I read them out, know this, you are a Christian and you have been redeemed from the curse of the law in Galatians 3. 13. But I will add that authority that hasn't been enforced by yourself is equivalent to no authority at all. In other words, we need to claim the ground that Christ has granted us in the spirit realm. If these curses seem to be prevalent in your family or life, then you need to do something about it. Friend, I will tell you now an account that happened to me in 2001 whilst living in Houston, Texas. And what I tell you is the absolute truth with my hand on the Bible. And it involves the concept of curses that I knew nothing about at the time. I was a young engineer working in the western half of the city in the Westlake complex. I was working with a professional team that comprised of a financial manager and her name was Patsy. One day she walked past my room and noticed at lunch I was reading the Bible. She struck up a conversation with me, one thing led to another, and we became good friends over the course of a few weeks. Now she shared with me over lunch that she and her husband couldn't conceive a child. They had tried numerous times to do so, but to no avail, for actually 10 years in fact. They even had several expensive fertility treatments at a local clinic with still no success. I could tell she was very frustrated to say the least, and actually started tearing up in my office one time when she was talking about it. Now, I was a pretty new Christian at this point. I had known the Lord for about two years, but something on the inside of me was not happy that this woman struggled so much to conceive. Now, one morning before I went to work, I was reading my devotional, praying and asking God why Patsy couldn't conceive. After several minutes with no answer, I was ready to pack up the Bible and leave when I heard these words, she has a curse on her womb. I blew it off uh, as a bit bizarre, to be honest with you, but I didn't know anything about curses at the time. But it came up a second and third time. She has a curse on her womb, and it stems from her mother. With that information, I went to work that day, business as usual, but I couldn't get this thought out of my mind. I knew the Lord was trying to get me to approach Patsy about it, but I was kind of embarrassed about discussing the possibility of her being cursed. Now, ever since I'd known Patsy, whenever the topic of her mother came up randomly, she would get quite upset. She would describe how her mom would always play her off against her other siblings and belittled her in front of them. I could tell her mother would verbally berate her, and it showed when Patsy talked about it. So one day I entered her office, sat down, and said that I would like to pray for her. She agreed, and this is what happened. I had read about how Jesus spoke to objects and even cursed them when he spoke. I recalled Mark 11.21 and Mark 11.23 where Peter reminded Jesus of the fig tree and that he cursed it at the root. When we speak God's word, we have the same authority. Knowing I had this in Christ, I then proceeded to pray for Patsy in faith. I didn't beg God to break the curse, no. I prayed pretty much this way. Father, in the name of Jesus, I command any fertility restriction over Patsy's womb to be broken right now and command it to leave. I bind Satan and speak life over Patsy and thank you for what you've done in Jesus' name. I pray, amen. Friend, that's how I prayed. I spoke to the obstacle which was infertility and commanded it to leave. I left her office and went about my business. At that time, I was working assets in southwestern Colorado, even though I was living in southeast Texas. So I had to go on a business trip the next day. 
But when I returned almost two weeks later, Patsy had the most amazing smile all over her face. She approached me and said that she was indeed pregnant. She was overjoyed. She named this child Christy, which has Christ in the name, friend, because she knew that Jesus had given her that baby. Friend, let me ask you this. Is that a coincidence? I don't think so. There was a hindrance to Patsy conceiving, and it wasn't from God, because he said in Genesis 8:17, it is his desire for us to be fruitful and multiply upon the earth. In fact, barrenness is mentioned as a curse in the book of Deuteronomy, and it's not God's will that we should struggle with these difficulties. Friend, God is good, and he wants to give good gifts to his children. Friend, as parents, we have to be very careful what we speak over our children, because we have authority over them, and God will honor words spoken. In Patsy's case, she was verbally scolded and belittled by her mother, and this had an impact on her womb. We may not fully understand it, but this is how it came about. In Proverbs 12:18, it says, There is one who speaks as the piercings of a sword. Think about that for a moment. Do you recall how the patriarchs like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob would gather their children before they died and proclaim a special blessing over them, and in some cases prophesy over them? If words work positively in this manner, it will most certainly work in the negative also, and curses spoken over a child in their formative years can have a very serious impact over them, even into adulthood. Friend, curses are real, but so are blessings. It's up to us to choose the blessings by walking close to the Lord, listening to His still small voice, and reading His Word on a daily basis. You've been listening to Carl Joseph and the Lions Unchained podcast. Carl is a minister who's witnessed God's supernatural power to save, heal, and deliver. Carl is a unique researcher who investigates current affairs, societal trends, technology, cults, and end-time events, all through a biblical lens. Every Monday, new podcasts are uploaded, so stay tuned for the next opportunity to roar into victory. Check out carljosephministries.com for exciting articles, teachings, and discussion points. See you next week, and don't forget to hit the subscribe button 